2: Forever
1: Dog Rose and Jamie are two best friends And they love sex and the city And they couldn't help but wonder Do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, So many
2: dudes. every little dudes All the dudes And we couldn't help but wonder
1: Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't, Couldn't Help, Help but, but Wonder. A podcast where we talk about sex in the city and how it relates
2: to, to us. us. Hi, ah, Bubba. Hi. Happy to see you. Fab to see you, as always it's this is honestly this is how we hang this out is, it's actually it's getting to be a problem <laughs> we need to like we don't have a take relationship this friendship outside on. of yeah. this tiny studio
1: what if when we hang out it's without so sad. like a sound engineer it's like really awkward
2: <laughs> we're like where's don't know what Skyler to say. okay <laughs> honestly if nobody's like <laughs> chuckling in the background I feel awkward no no our relationship <laughs> can only survive when we have like you know people watching yeah and hearing. we have spectators um James yes who are you this week? Ooh, um, well, I know that this applies to the next episode we're going to be covering, not today's episode, which is um, season to episode 12, Le Delore squeeze,
1: Exqueeze me? God, your French is stunning. For a minute, I like closed my eyes and I was like, am I in
2: gay Paris? <laughs> On the B-A-L-L. Okay, today I've had three sips of a latte and I'm feeling groovy. Wait, so, yeah, okay, so today I am... Carrie from the episode we're not covering today. Useful. Um, no, just that. She goes to therapy in the next episode. That's not really a spoiler. It's just a fact. And I've been watching a lot of therapy television. I watched couples therapy do you because think? you told me to. What do you to. think? I, well, I, well, I'll just say I, that's not the... I didn't stop there. Okay. I just want to clarify that, that. was the beginning. I, I, went, <laughs> a, I went a step further because it was such a pain in the ass for me to get showtime anytime like it was a whole thing of like logging in my password wasn't correct i'm texting dan he's at a bachelor party literally in the middle of a field in texas with no service and i'm like wanting to watch the (laughs) show that you recommended to me it was such an undertaking that i was like you know what when i finish couples therapy i have to watch more showtime like we're staying on showtime for a while to like make up for the time i spent trying to download it. it so then i went into um this show, it's similar to Couples Therapy. It's a docu-series about polyamory. How is it? Uh, not good. <laughs> not good. Um, it also has like a light, like a really unnecessary softcore element that the show, I'm sure that, adds a lot for some viewers, but that's not why I'm like making it. Yeah, there's like some boobs and like yeah. hands touching them. Yeah, and some like orgasm noises. I, like I would like that. It's fine. It's just it's not why I'm tuning in. Sure. But the show may I just want to say You're reading the articles? Well, that's how I felt when I was watching. I was like, oh, is this like Cat House? Like, that's not I real. I'm being genuine. I would tell you if I was like, No, I think wanting you're wanting to watch about your horn dogness. Exactly. I'm like, no, 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 I just want like a good show. Like, I'm here for the story. I actually am here for the articles. Girl, you're amazing Holy shit. I really was. So look at you. Anyways, so whatever. So it's called I think it's called Polyamory Married and Dating. And it follows two different storylines. There's one couple that's in like a dating triad, and then there's another couple who's married, and then they want to invite another polyamorous couple to come live with them. And I'm not interested in the dating couple. I, I just I don't know what it is. I'm just like, you guys need to figure it out. Like you've got some issues, it all like they're very annoyed because there's like a guy, one of the girls likes a guy outside of the triad and wants to like invite him in, but the rest of the group is like, no. And there's just part of me that's like, I don't know, like y- maybe like you should break up the triad. Like I don't, I'm just like five steps ahead of them. Where I'm like, I just feel like it's not functioning, and you guys are really trying to make this work, and it's just not. But I'm also trying to be sensitive and open-minded. It's like sometimes to polyamory, it's a do and people are like, we hate each other, but maybe if we yes, add a hot third, that's you're what you're like
1: it is, or a hot up. fourth in this case. Right? It's like maybe if we're both dating other people, and yeah. then we just sleep in the same bed and are on the same. Uh,
2: housing paperwork. Well, I, I housing bring paperwork. Yeah, I, I understood. I followed you. There, there you go. Uh, but okay, so then the married couple, so it's a married couple and they, they have these two lovers who are also married and they invite them to come live in their back house. So now, it's a four-way that is living together. They have a son, so there's also a kid there. That honestly seems okay, like child, called child so services. this is what I'm saying. Okay, I, I did not feel that way, but I definitely was like, okay, the show, I just have to make this disclaimer, because I think, I would love for people, I would love for our listeners to watch the show, so, like, we What is it called, so we can all talk about it together? no one's fucking seen it. Polyamory, and I believe it's called either Dating and Married or Married and Dating. Okay, guys, we all have to watch this so that we can... but I have to tell you this. Tell us. Okay, so... Alright, so it's like, the, whatever, they're in this four-way. The way the show is edited, it is like these people only fuck and do not have jobs. And the reason I flag it is because I'm like, it does seem to take a lot of work to be in a four-way successfully, <laughs> because it takes constant communication. It's right. like, if you if anyone feels like an inkling of jealousy, you squash it right there. You're like, baby, what, what are you feeling? Like, it's a lot of that, and you're just like, I honestly think I have to be monogamous Because it's efficient like that was what I took away. I was like, I bet that that I bet polyamory does satisfy something that I am not reaching in my monogamy, but I genuinely just don't have time for it. And that was the takeaway. And I don't know if that was the intended takeaway or like the bias that they were trying to feed their audience. So I'm in this place where no one has seen the show and I need to like talk to people who are polyamorous who have seen it. Like I'm, I'm like now on this sort of like psychological mission to get to the bottom of like the ups and downs of polyamory because I don't feel like the show so far is doing it justice. Interesting. It's making it look pretty bad, actually.
1: I definitely agree with you when I've met people who have a boyfriend or girlfriend or married and then are also dating because I'm like, I barely see my partner and also work and also see my friends. Exactly. I don't understand where there's exactly. room for
2: another.
1: I think you just have no friends.
2: Well, I think that's why they invited them to come live with them. Cause they're like, maybe this is the way that we see each other more and maintain jobs. Also, but so far I'm like, they don't have jobs. Okay. I don't mean All to come, come from, from my f- cis hetero no, straight please. white prim. I, and I also want to acknowledge that I know I am that person as well,
1: but I just have to say, is it that they want another person or they just need a friend? Because have you ever tried just calling your friends and hanging out with your friends?
2: I think, again, if I were only basing my knowledge on polyamory on this show, I would assume that if you make a friend, sex is on the table. That is the <laughs> position. If there's no, like platonic, does. they don't seem to have that. It's all just like, oh yeah, we met Roxanne and what did you think of Roxanne, baby? It's That's... all very like... <sighs> Yeah, Roxanne's really cool, right? We like hanging out with Roxanne. Do we like-like hanging out with Roxanne? You're like, why can't you just be friends with Roxanne? Like, they're why like it missing the friendship gene. They don't have friendship. You see them it's with their family and, and they're fucking. like, hey, mom, looking <laughs> real
1: good today. <laughs> Filling out those khakis.
2: Filling out those khakis in all the right way. Anyway, the reason I'm Carrie is because I've just been watching a lot of therapy and she goes to therapy in the next episode, and I know that's a stretch to make that connection. But so right. I did it. I wonder, I
1: wonder if our haters are gonna really mm-hmm. zing you on that I, one.
2: I, you know, by the way, I wanna be clear. I I I just think it's interesting when there's not a lot of information out there about polyamory. And I do everyone I know who does it, you know, I actually to be honest, I don't know anyone who's done it successfully. I have a friend who is polyamorous, but every time he's... I, I don't think he has a consistent primary partner. The primary partner is always different. So it's and, not really polyamorous. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're like, well, oh. Actually, I don't know what polyamorous But that's my point. <laughs> and, like, it sounds like... It sounds like it, when it's pitched to me, I go, oh, okay, yeah, tell me more. But then it's frustrating that kind of the one resource on TV for it that's I like a docu-series understand. is just not... It's not getting... It's not doing it justice.
1: I definitely understand, like... The appeal of it in the sense that, like, I was on an airplane a couple weekends ago, and I was talking to this, like, bouncy, bubbly girl in her mid-20s, and for some reason I felt sexually attracted to her. Yeah. And I have a boyfriend, and she's totally straight, and... I was like, oh, that would be fun if I could just like make out with this girl on the airplane and then just like go back home to my Making boyfriend. Making out on an airplane
2: sounds horrible. Well,
1: oh, the point Do you being, you mean later. The later, point later. being, like, oh, I get it. If you have a partner that you yes, love and things are good and you just met someone, it doesn't matter. And that sounds, a, I get that. But I mean, it doesn't, it, it's not something I want, but I got it. I was like, oh, that sounds sure. like that could open up sure. like fun or whatever. But I think for me at this point in my life, the negatives would outweigh the positive for me.
2: Yeah, I think that was my takeaway as well. But it's, it, it is interesting. The positives are probably really exciting. I Well, mean, I like the honest communication. It seems like, and they even say this on the show, like the foundation of polyamory is honesty and communication. And I'm like, well, I think every relationship could benefit from more of that. Yeah, totally. So I was like, okay, that I'm into. But then like, I don't know, being like, we're introducing a fourth and the group is... I also think
1: jealousy would be hard. Like, as a woman, I'm very like... I really need my partner to like tell me I'm pretty a lot and like not check out other girls. And I think. It would be hard for me to see like a beautiful girl. Well, I think,
2: yeah, I think that's the main reason people don't do it. And even in the show, they're dealing with jealousy. The most open people I've ever seen in my life are like, yeah, I'm feeling a little jealous right now. Like, I don't think it goes away. I think that programming is pretty, it runs pretty deep. I don't even know if it's
1: programming. I think it could I be biological.
2: It, yeah, yeah, that's true. It might just be like territorial.
1: Yeah, and also, I think. I can't speak for men, but for women, I think there's probably a biological imperative to like stick with one person. Yeah, just I don't know, like raising the babies or whatever.
2: Yeah, yeah. There was the The babies that we don't have. (laughs) Shout out! Shout out to those those. babies. (laughs) Okay, who are you with? Who are you and who were you this week? Okay, well. Now that
1: I know we're recording that one next, I'm going to save what I thought was. Oh, yes. Sure. Because I have one that goes really well with that. Oh, okay. Um. So who was I this week and why? Um, I'm a, an aspirational Carrie mm-hmm. in the way I would like to be like her in this way. Oh. Uh, I've never had abs. I've never had a flat stomach. If I gain any weight, it's always in my tummy. I have really skinny arms and legs. Carrie's body is like slamming, jamming, bamin. Like her, yeah. her uh, abs are like some ripped, like athlete or something. Yeah. Um. So I'm not like that, but I'm trying to move towards there. Um. I have been eating really healthy lately and making a lot of food at home. Nice. And realizing that like. It's kind of changing my identity a little bit because my partner eats super, super healthy. He um, has diabetes. And so, Mm -hmm. like, he basically just eats, like, salads and vegetables and, like, grilled, like, salmon with, like, very little salt. Like, he eats super Super healthy. Super clean, yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of affecting me. Sure. And I'm also because I want to, like, lose a couple LBs. Mm. Um, So... I've started to, like, make, like, these giant delicious salads with, like, 500 ingredients, and it feels really good. But, And I I think the truth is that gluten and dairy makes me fat and also makes me bloated and also makes me tired. You know how I feel about this. You don't eat that stuff, right? Yeah,
2: I I eat dairy occasionally, but I haven't eaten gluten for um, two and a half years now.
1: Do you feel, like, amazing?
2: Yes. It was ruining my life.
1: Yeah, I think that it's starting to affect me. But the reason that it's, like, affecting my identity is I've been – for my whole life, I've been so into food as a hobby and, like, love going to restaurants and, like, love finding interesting places to eat. And the truth is it really starts limiting that. Mm. And even once you, you start. You feel that way even in L.A.? Well, let me just say that when you start eating really clean and eating at home. And when I say clean, I don't mean not delicious. Like, the salads I make are, like, amazing. Like, I love them. But I just feel so good afterwards. And restaurant food kind of makes well, you feel so much
2: saltier and that's like i think that's a very sort of classic signpost of like getting older it's not that we can't handle it it's that we don't want to handle it, but it we don't want restaurants I the like same the way
1: culture i mean it was such a big part of what i like to do for fun and i don't really drink right i'm not right, like sober right, but it's just right. not a big part of my life right so i'm like what do i you do, do? You enjoy going to restaurants yeah, so yeah i know what,
2: you mean. what am i into now yeah i guess heroin Okay, that's, I mean, that's the only choice. So
1: anyway, I'm trying to get healthier. I'm starting to exercise more. Good for you. Yeah, I,
2: I think it's good for me. I think that gluten can, the gluten thing can be tricky when you leave Los Angeles or New York. But luckily, it's pretty, it's most restaurants make it pretty easy here.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just weird because I used to love like, crazy Chinese food and crazy this and crazy that. And, like, I'm going to go to San Gabriel Valley and find that, like, authentic – and none of that stuff is necessarily bad for you. But if you're used to eating, like, really – I guess it's all – if you eat home-cooked meals five nights a week, go out on Saturday and do your best or whatever. But even last night, I went out with a friend and had Mexican food, and Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like shit afterwards. It's just, like, this bloated feeling that I – I'm kind of trying to not be so into. It. This is
2: probably like no. I, you guys.
1: Have you killed yourselves no, from boredom? yet? I, I think Are you that's, guys
2: hanging. No, that's no. You're fine. I think that um, also. Yeah, I think it is a balance, and I think that um, when you start eating your own food and you're not putting like nearly as much salt in your food as restaurants put in salt and butter. Uh, Then you eat at a restaurant You're like I'm on to you restaurants Like you kind of are like I get what you're doing (laughs) And I'm not gonna let you Like pull the wool over my eyes You're like Let me guess Secret
1: ingredient Butter Yeah I mean And then also
2: You recalibrate What you enjoy eating Yeah I know But
1: I just think It really Like It changes the eating out Experience
2: yeah, you just have to pick restaurants that like, well, luckily with gluten, you can still have rice, which thank so God. So you can still have a lot of Asian you can food. go to a lot. Yeah, I eat a, actually most usually when I go out to restaurants, I only want food that I don't make at home. So I love Korean food. I love Japanese. Japanese yeah, yeah, me too. I don't. No, I, I yeah. think there's still
1: a lot on the table for me. I just think that like, like even in my salads, like I still put salt in it and stuff. It's just sure. I don't put dairy in it. Yeah, but I put a million delicious things in there. yeah. I believe
2: in your salads. I can't wait to make you one. Oh, it sounds so good. Okay, well so now good. that there's one listener left. Oh my god, I enjoy. It. I love talking about food. Me so too. I don't think it's so boring. I think suck it's like on my. It's relatable. Salad. We all have to fucking eat. So yeah, it's true. Deal with it. Bitches. Some of our re- re-
1: listeners don't. They're oh. they're
2: orgs. They're um, porgs. They're
1: like um, they're
2: cyborgs. Yeah, they're like food food eunuchs. They just don't have it. <laughs> they have no dicks for food. Right. Okay, guys. So. As I mentioned, season two, episode twelve. La De Exqueeze. Squeeze. <laughs> okay, so the episode opens with the core four plus Stanford hitting the opening of the hottest new SM club/slash restaurant in town. Samantha's PR firm is in charge of running La de squeeze French for the exquisite pains launch, which is stacked with chains and men in dog collars and whippable waiters. Watch you! That is the sound a whip makes.
1: (laughs) Skyler Hanrath, everybody.
2: (laughs) When Carrie ducks out of
1: the pleatherpalooza to see Big off to Paris for work, Samantha gives her a riding crop and a top hat. Also, her abs are on fire this episode. Mm -hmm. She doesn't even wear a full shirt. She shows up at his door looking like a steampunk dominatrix, and Big is into it. Meanwhile, Stanford, it turns out, has a fetish of his own. He's picking up dudes in chat rooms online, and he especially hits
2: it off with someone called Big Tool For You. Charlotte reveals she's horny for something she can't talk about either. It's not a freaky sex thing. It's shoes, because... Charlotte (laughs) when she spots a pair she just has to try on she stops into a shop run by a man named Buster lucky for her Buster loves feet and Charlotte's a woman with two of them he knocks a couple of hundred dollars off some sandals and that is that and Miranda hits it off with Jack played by a
1: very young Will Arnett who looks kind of exactly the same and always is playing a sleazy guy a guy who loves dry biographies as much as she does Back with Carrie, Big drops a hell of a bomb on her. His Paris work trip isn't just going to be a week. He might be moving there for almost a year. Carrie naturally is hurt.
0: I wanted to kill him. And he's standing there giving me the, what's the big problem eyes? You know, I don't understand you. Like it's my problem. Okay, just calm down. There are ways to make this work. It's just seven months and you can go visit him in Paris and he can come back here. No, it's not about that. It's about the fact that I wasn't even a factor in his decision-making process. Totally. Men do this all the time. Women walk around thinking we, and their version of we is me and my dick. Totally. I mean, just tell me what's going on. Is that too much to ask? Um, Carrie, I'm thinking about going to France for the rest of my life. Am I right? Totally. You know, one minute he's all over me, and the next minute he's pushing me away, and I just, I just cannot believe this is happening again. Yes, all right, calm down. There'll be no breaking of things. Why do I keep doing this to myself? I must be a masochist or something. That's when I first realized it. I was in an S&M relationship with Mr. Big. That is such a beautiful Oof.
1: scene. I almost started crying.
0: When she
2: beats the table.
1: Her voice is so beautiful for some reason. I love her speaking voice.
2: Yeah, you're right. It's
1: really beautiful. It is. It's
2: really soothing. Yeah. It's like audiobook hot.
1: It's totally audiobook hot, and that was a really real moment.
2: Yeah. That was good acting. It was good acting, and... I also feel like it's a big moment for Carrie. I mean, she has had these sort of little pops of self-awareness with her relationship with Big. It's almost like every episode or every other episode of their relationship, she's always kind of like, There's a storm brewing inside her and it kind of comes out at big and then she kind of like apologizes for lashing out by having sex with him and moving on. And then it happens again. And this feels like the biggest moment of clarity for Carrie, um, where she's really sort of like wholeheartedly taking in the dysfunction of a relationship. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, has anything like that ever happened to you or someone you were in a relationship with just like dropped a bomb yes yeah tell me
1: I was in my mid early 20s I had a boyfriend in New York
2: named Dominic and that is like that's a sex in the city boyfriend name
1: (laughs) so funny I've had so many art boyfriends my current boyfriend's a painter he was an artist a boyfriend after that was a gallerist I don't know why but um yeah, Dominic was my boyfriend, and we were happy, and we were falling in love. And um, before we got together, he told me that he went to that he had like a German girlfriend or something. Or that wait, he, so
2: wait, what's the timeline? This is before we were together. Be, be, he just was telling me when before you were you, Oh, 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 sorry. Just, just like oh, telling he me about his t- past. I thought you were saying that before you got together, he told you that. This is how long have you guys been together at this point? When he maybe says maybe like this. three months. Got it.
1: I already knew. Right when we got together, he's like, oh, before you, I was dating this German girl, whatever. We were just explaining our past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then about three months in, he was like, oh, I'm going to Europe because he was being evicted from his apartment. And he's like, and so, you know, I'm going to have a week off. I'm just going to like go to Europe. And I was like, oh, cool, cool, cool. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to Germany. And this was my full boyfriend. And then all of a sudden I was like, "Wait, wait. And then I was like, wait a minute. I'm so sorry. I was like, you're not going to like see that girl in Germany, are you? Oh, my God. My boyfriend. Oh, my God. And he goes, well, I made the trip before I met you. And I kind of need to see. And I was like, wait, so like the plan was you were just going to like fully go and be with it. Like he was so casual about it. And then he made me a drawing of like a circus. (gasps) No. To to like be like, this is like what we're going through right now. Oh my God. Was it a good drawing? (laughs) It was cool. (laughs) but um that was the most insane thing i've ever dealt with like beating the table like
2: carrie
1: (laughs) i wish i still had it what if he becomes a famous artist that
2: was an audition and you had one line and it's cool i was like the girl got the part like that's the funniest way anyone has ever delivered the phrase it's cool thank you
1: well basically it reminds me of this just in the sense of like you're going along you think everything's fine you like have a regular boyfriend he's like oh yeah i'm just gonna go on like a sex vacation with another girl cool right and I was like it's obviously not cool and actually years later like years and years later I was debating about doing a project about everyone I've ever broken up with and like asked like what they thought of it like years later I love that yeah and I that's like a high fidelity yeah kind kind of yeah and he was like he was like I think there was a part of me and I already knew this back then but it was really validating to hear him say like I wasn't really ready to be in a relationship, so it was easier for me to destroy this thing that was real for a fantasy that clearly couldn't work. No matter what my feelings were, she's a European, I live here. So it was just kind of my way of, like, exploding a real relationship
2: Mm.
1: for a fantasy that couldn't work. Yeah.
2: Interesting. Yeah. So just a quick sidebar about. You know, this whole thing of also like, he was like 24. Not to say that that's OK, but I had a feeling I was like, yeah, yeah, this yeah. feels like was a youthful thing. behavior. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah totally. Yes. But that's what's so frustrating about Carrie and Big. It's like you're 40 you your like you're in your mid 40s. It's insane. Quit acting like a 24 year old with a German fling. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> I know. And it's also funny. We talked about this in the last episode and I think it bears repeating is like Big's whole appeal is that he's so cool, and he's so suave, and wow, what a man! But it's like, his behavior is not It took adult. me a second
2: to spell that. I was like, what does M-A-N spell? Oh, right, she said man. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's just I'm like... i on
2: a delay today.
1: That's his whole thing, is like the swagger, the confidence. But then when you really look at the behavior, it's like, it's not adult behavior. It's child behavior. Yeah. So it kind of goes against... It's kind of like having a fantasy crush on somebody and then realizing
2: it's just not what you think it is. Well, and also Carrie, Carrie is a little, I'm realizing, especially in this season, not so much in the later seasons, but she is very like, New York is my playground. Like, it's very just like sort of whimsical, dashing off, buying shoes. She's hardly ever working. She doesn't work. No, she, she barely has a column. She a week. Yeah, I'm like, it's not really a column. It's like a broken column. <laughs> it's like the Coliseum columns that are like chipping away. Like, it's not fully erect. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I don't, yeah, I just, am, I just feel like she is, she's living in a fantasy. Her boyfriend is a fantasy. And this is kind of the moment where she's like, oh, I'm a real person and I'm feeling real pain. The exquisite pain. Exquisite lure.
1: (laughs) 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 Have you ever had somebody drop a bomb on you that was like a huge thing in a relationship that you're
2: like, "Uh, I would have liked to know that. Yeah, I mean, probably it would would be a breakup. Um, Yeah, I went through a breakup where I really thought we were fine and I was like fully blindsided when he like dumped me. I was like, wait, what? Like literally. Just like shocked. Well, he had sent like... 24 roses for valentine's day and then like an hour later i got a call that was wow. like we need to talk yeah and i was just like were you guys what? having problems no i mean looking back y- yeah i get why we broke up but i it wasn't clear to me that he was unhappy that's really hard so i was just like oh we've never talked about any of this and it's sad that it has to be the breakup where we have our first adult conversation I wish that we could have had an adult conversation then tried to make the adjustment and then if it didn't work we break up to me but for the first fight to be the breakup is psychotic
1: yeah I agree completely I've had a lot of boyfriends in my 20s who broke up with me at the first fight
2: yeah Yeah. where you're like he was 34 but that's psychotic. well then you've dodged a bullet
1: yeah but I, I think you just said something really interesting and true which is I think the difference between an immature and a mature relationship is like when you're younger, you're like, oh, there's a problem. Bye. Or like, there's a problem. Sure. This is never going to work. And yeah. then as you get older, you're like, oh, no, that's
2: part of the package. Yeah, you're like, oh, is that's surfing those one. waves. Yeah. And it's yeah. like getting over them. Um, yeah. It it, that's that's why the term your first fight exists. It shouldn't be your first and your last fight. Obviously, That's just too crazy.
1: Yeah. It, it, I really related to the scene of Carrie when she was like, banging on the table, because that was frustration at herself. Because I would say before my current partner, I I, I wouldn't say every single boyfriend I had or every guy I dated, but a large majority were very emotionally unavailable. And I'm not an idiot. But sometimes it takes a minute. Sometimes emotionally unavailable people don't present that right away. It takes three months or four months to realize that. But I had had such a pattern of that and I relate it to Carrie banging on the table because I remember in therapy being like crying and just being like, how am I making this mistake again and again? What the fuck is wrong with me? So I think that was very relatable to be that frustrated with yourself. It's like this is a shitty thing that Big did, but it's not wildly different than lots of things he does.
2: Oh, yeah. No, it's fully in Pulling line in, yes fully in line it's just it's it's a heightening of the same problem right and so i thought
1: that was a really good scene because it wasn't her frustrated big it was her frustrated herself, With herself. being like and and
2: also kind like of the first time she's really taken accountability for this for this relationship yes yeah. that's
1: a good point and and i think it was jenny bix who wrote this episode but it, it was jenny bix jenny bix i do jenny that every bix, time. please come on the show i'll have to email her again we gotta email her but um It was great writing for her to say, I realized I was in an S&M relationship. Because how relatable is that for every man Mm. or woman who's been in a relationship? So smart. You love them, but it's literally a knife in your chest.
2: I mean, most people have been in a relationship like that. I had this thought of like, when you're... It's I don't even know how to articulate this. It's like, everything like okay so whatever you're born and you have a lot of firsts it's like first step first words everything's firsts but for dating firsts you have to wait until you're like in your teens so then the adolescence for dating is like much it starts much later so it really isn't until you're in your 30s that you're like fully out of emotional puberty essentially and it's for women it just hit me i'm like that's just such a frustrating statistic because that's also the time that we're supposed to start about ha- thinking about having kids and you're like no i'm just ready to party and, yeah exactly you're <laughs> like wait but i just got out of college that's
1: a good way to put it very smart yeah i know ha huh. kids we'll talk about that another okay. time
0: this episode is brought to you by Snapple
2: So, Miranda and Jack finish off a date by having sex outside of Mark Twain's old place. Name a bigger turn-on. You can't. Huck Finn? More like, fuck me, Finn. Ooh. Anyway, Jack is into the risk of getting caught. And to Miranda's surprise, so is she. Stanford and Carrie
1: unpack his online flirtation with a mysterious big tool for you over Cosmos. Stanford's embarrassed to meet a chatroom flirt IRL, but Carrie supports him. After Stanford leaves and she's many drinks in, she drunkenly calls big for some yelling. I love that she always does this every episode. Truly every episode. They
2: are on the rocks. Miranda and Jack, on the other hand, are having a great time. His next dicey doing it plan involves him going down on her in a cab. Hopefully they both bathed in Purell afterward. I felt so bad for that cab driver. I know. So disgusting.
1: Charlotte goes back to Buster's store for more shoes. When he floats the idea of a foot rub to go with them, she doesn't say no, and they'll both leave the weird exchange happy. Charlotte gets a pair of five hundred dollars shoes for free, and all it costs was a strange man rubbing her feet. Sounds like a deal to me. Charlotte catches up with Miranda and Carrie. Both of whom have evolved on their relationships.
0: I am way overreacting to this whole France situation. I think Charlotte's right. There are there are ways to work this out. Mm-hmm. What made you change your mind? Well, I completely lost my shit to big on the phone. I realized how close this whole thing is to really blowing up. And you know what, yes, it's painful sometimes, but it's worth it, you know? I mean, the guy has to go there for work. And really, what is so awful about spending a week here and there with your boyfriend in Paris? Nothing, it's so romantic. Right, your love life takes you to Paris and I'm fucking in the back of a cab. That's lovely. And not just there. We've done it in the bathroom at Bond Street. Oh, I just ate there! The elevator at the Marriott Marquis, and a public restroom in Central Park. How very George Michael of you. We've actually never <coughs> done it lying down. Or inside, for that matter. Brenda, this is supposed to be a relationship, not outward bound. You've got to get this guy in a bedroom and find out what's really there. I'm a little afraid to try. He likes the threat of getting caught. What if being with just me isn't enough? Excuse me, Miss Charlotte. What is happening south of your ankles? Oh, they're new. Do you like them? I love them. 500 Oh, no, not that much. The guy just kind of gave me a deal. How much? Um, free. Why? And where is he? Well, he just, he really wanted me to have them. I mean, he just really loves it when people love shoes. Sweetie, this is New York City. Nobody loves anything that much. Hold my feet just a little. The
2: second she said it out loud, she knew what she had to do. I don't. Why does she have to return them? (laughs) I get annoyed. I'm like, keep them. If there was
1: a guy who wanted to hold my feet and I could get as many expensive shoes as you want, are you kidding me? It's not a big deal. My shoe closet would be banging. Yeah, it sounds like a great trade. Also, can we start saying
2: to our friends, what's going on south of your ankle? I do say that, by the way, and I didn't know, I had said that before in life, and I didn't know that You're it such was such a good from, writer. But I didn't know it was, fr- I got it from Sex and Are the City. Are you sure you did? Positive. Oh, okay. Oh, positive. Now that I'm like, oh yeah, it's this episode where she says south of your ankle." That's a great line. It's a great line. What's going on south of your ankles? I know. It's so fabulous. Frisky. And it's so like New York, like, Upper Manhattan, Lower Manhattan. It's like their upper everything's- ankle, lower yeah, ankle. Yeah, exactly. It's very like on yeah. the island. Also,
1: by the way, if you've ever had a foot rubber or a foot massage, it feels amazing. It's incredible. And a nasty ass person can do it and it still feels great. Yep. It's not like kissing someone on the mouth where it has to be a hot person that you like. Anyone can massage your feet and it will feel good.
2: He doesn't even massage them. He just kind of holds them and then like finishes in his pants. Bitch, it's really not a big dang deal. Feet. Oh yeah, hold, hold my, my feet. These, hold these flippers. Yeah, I was surprised that Miranda and Carrie were like, you know what you have to do. It's like, what? You're fucking in a cab. Like, do you think you're you're not- would- You have to go apologize to the cab driver if she has to return $500 shoes I know that she got for free what did you think of the cab cunnilingus um did you think I I was hot yeah, I've made out in cabs before. It definitely is hot if you're dr- I mean, I've only done it drunk. I've never been sober <laughs> and I'm, sober I, at 2 I, in the afternoon. Yeah, and I've also <laughs> never like wanted to fuck in a cab. I just don't understand the appeal of like having sex in a moving it must vehicle. Must be so awful to be so a cab driver. Yeah, it's disgusting. Pay all your life savings for a cab and yeah. some nasty
1: white people are just like yeah. putting their musk all over it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's it definitely even even the times that I have made out in the back of a cab drunk, there is always a sort of glimmer of sobriety where I'm like, this is wrong. I'm I'm a bad girl. Yeah, it feels not wrong. A sexy bad girl, he has but like drive. poorly raised. <laughs> yeah, it's not right. And yeah, I don't uh yeah I don't I really was, Will Arnett's character, it's a little like it's just plays for comedy and it's a little one dimensional. I'm not like interested in it.
1: I um, was fingered in the back of a cab by a a male comedian that we both know.
2: Oh, Mm -hmm. and it was really, really hot. (laughs) What if I also had him do that to me? I don't know who it is. Lots of people I think have probably been screwed by him, but it was really hot.
1: Okay, yeah. I personally find public stuff, not like actually public stuff, but kind of public stuff, extremely hot. Mm. I had a boyfriend in New York and we went to an art opening in this uh, Governor's Island Mm. thing. And there were all these little tiny houses all over Governor's Island and you walk through and it was really popular. It was like this very busy art show. Yeah. And I opened a closet and pushed him in (gasps) and went down on him and we could (gasps) hear people everywhere all around us. And that was very hot. I also like like... Movie theater stuff and like handies and like places like that. I agree. Movie theaters don't feel public to me though, but you're right. They I are. Like stuff technically, that, like, it's not appropriate. Yeah. Not I don't think I would do like a corridor in like corridor. a street. Isn't oh. that where they are like making out in the middle of like yeah. Miranda and Himmer? Or- yes, uh, yes.
0: Outside Mark Twain's place. Yes. At yeah, first. but that's yeah, like yeah, a public street. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I don't
1: think I'm quite as into that, but I totally get Um, Not every time. It's not like that's how I must have sex. But if I'm somewhere, I think it's fun to have a frisky moment.
2: Yeah. And also in New York, it's very conducive to that. You can use. Well, more in New York. I think you're constantly around people. That's true. So I think it's even more of a reminder of like, oh, this is taboo. Do you find that stuff hot? I do not not find it hot. Have you done stuff like that? Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think. Like, probably more like when I was like a teenager, just because I was like, this is crazy, we're crazy. But I don't know that I have that as much now, where I'm like, gonna shove Dan in a closet at a
1: party. (laughs) Dan's like what are you doing <laughs> go with it baby
2: but if i did I, like i get it yeah i get it it makes total sense i mean i remember
1: me and a college boyfriend went to the ocean at night to have sex on the beach mm-hmm. and we were so excited about our like sexy plan yeah and we got there and it was, it was freezing. like freezing there was like sand in my whole body sure. and then there was like a group of guys watching us i was like okay this this is over let's go back to our bed yeah
2: We tried. There's a reason people have sex in bed. It is comfortable.
1: True. But I do think little mystery things like like oh we're at this restaurant and like like my uh, a different boyfriend went down on me on my birthday at this like Czechoslovakian like no. banquet hall uh-huh. and then we like went to this like abandoned room and that was oh, super that's fun. fun yeah I like the little frisky dangerous there, there is like something
2: that. really hot about I love the idea of like being at like a wedding or um some kind of like banquet hall event and like sort of like winding through like the parts of that's the church you're not supposed that's what to I'm see saying. that part I get yeah
1: that part that's I what get. I'm saying yeah. another thing I think that's important to talk about from this clip it's also really relatable I'm sure many of our listeners have this form of communication I think excuse me unless you're in therapy or you've read a lot of self-help books or for some crazy psycho miracle your parents are great communicators ha 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 Then probably what you do is you keep your feelings to yourself. You wait until you're extremely angry. You get drunk and then you say what's really on your mind in a really unskillful, hurtful way. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably what I don't know. 90% of people do. And that is certainly what Carrie does. Mm -hmm. I think the scene is interesting because she's like, you know what? Paris isn't that bad. You know, maybe it's okay that he goes. And the reason she's saying that is because she feels guilty about the way she expressed herself. But the content of what she said was true. Yeah. I, it, it's hurtful to me that you would consider this thing without telling me. When were you planning on telling me? Do I factor myself in? That's yeah. all valid stuff. Yeah. But when you yell at someone, make threats, present things when you're drunk, it really delegitimizes I your know. very real feelings. Yeah, And so it's kind of unfortunate that Carrie is so bad. I mean, good for the show because it gives us something to talk about, but bad if it was a real person because, um, The way you present your feelings are sometimes even more important than the actual feelings. Mm. And you can have something very legit to say. But if you say it in a explosive, destructive, aggressive way, no one's going to be able to hear it. Yes. And it actually turns them off even more. Yeah. So that's kind of unfortunate because now because she feels guilty about the way she did it, she's. Instead of saying, you know what, I think I have an anger communication problem and I need to modulate the way I think. She's like, oh, no, my actual thoughts were incorrect. It's like, no, 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 your thoughts were correct. Yeah. And it's also like
2: she the way he springs huge milestone information on her. The only way you are going to react is poorly. Because he does put her on the defensive in this relationship constantly. So it's like... But people are
1: not responsible for your behavior. You can spring something on somebody. In a perfect
2: world, sure. But if you're in a close relationship with someone and they tell you something painful... Yeah. I'm not saying you should react. Right, I know what you're saying. But you can't always control your reaction. And I think that in this case, she had a reason to react.
1: I know, I'm just saying... I think that she's now backtracking and going, hey, Paris is not that totally. way. And I don't think she's backtracking the actual thing. I think she feels bad about the way the she way reacted, She and it, So now she's yeah. like, maybe I'm wrong. And it's like, you're not wrong about the your content. boyfriend of a year. Yes. You're wrong about the approach. Hey, I need
2: to... Yeah. Yeah. That's just my two cents. No, it's great. I think that's a really good point. I mean, I, yeah, I just find this so frustrating. I find it really frustrating. And I think this episode's really well written because it's the perfect It's it actually is the perfect situation where you could see both sides where it's like my boyfriend's going to Paris everything's fucked but then there is the like my boyfriend's going to Paris maybe I'll visit him there like there is this kind of, like... I would be devastated. Yeah, but I love that it's one of those things that does sound romantic. Yeah, like, oh, maybe I'll move and to the Paris. the fact that Charlotte is like, I don't know, like... Yeah. Enjoy it. It's like, you, sh- you could rationalize being excited about it, but Carrie is smart enough in this relationship to know what this actually means. Like, she's already gone five steps beyond Paris it doesn't matter where he's going it's what it represents and him needing to put an ocean between them
1: yeah 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 exactly because I mean in a healthy relationship your partner could be like hey I got this opportunity to go to Paris like how do you feel about that would you want to come exactly
2: there's no conversation he's always just
1: like springing
2: what he's doing on her he's totally fucked up yeah bounces back James okay a minute so Charlotte tries to return the ill-gotten shoes to Buster, but he can't take them back since she's walked in them. She doesn't want them thrown away, and to get out of their bizarre jam, he hits her with the foot fetishist's trade. If she tries on even more shoes, then she can keep the original pair. They then have a montage in which, there's no getting around it, he comes. And true to his word, she gets the shoes. Congrats, Charlotte, and... Congrats on busting in your pants, Buster. Great actor. That guy was so funny. Oh, my God. Is that? It's James Urbania. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's really excellent. Fun. He's great. I love him.
1: Also, like, th- that's some mad skills to come in your pants without even touching yourself or it's any. So it, <laughs> he's like he actually, eye rolling. His, it was like he's an, going for it. It was like with an with immaculate orgasm. Choices. Like
2: yeah. he, Truly, there was no friction. I he know. just... He just made it happen. I know. It's also incredible he skill. Her. It's so funny. It, that was a very, sometimes in the show, there's some very slapstick elements and I, I always appreciate happened. them. I have a feeling this happened to somebody because I don't know where you would come up with this shit. Yeah, this is a little like, huh? Like this one felt a little further fetched than than you know some of the else? other storylines. It's kind of
1: interesting that foot fetishes are so common. Right. Like, like the reason that we it's all the number one fetish you hear about, honestly, it's kind of weird. I guess I think the reason why is because feet are so gross, and yeah. it's like it's I think so a forbidden. lot of things, and yeah, a lot of things that are hot. Like I think things that are pseudo public, like I was saying, was hot. Anything that's like kind of wrong. I mean, within reason. Yeah. Not, not like. No, I know what murdering you murdering, and then like.
2: Like, yeah, I've like got, got a, murder. a body. like yeah. it's wrong, that's
1: why I like it. <laughs> right, right, right. I don't do that, guys. Okay. Carrie shows up to Biggs, ready to mend bridges and welcome him back from Paris, complete with a greasy bag of McDonald's. Unfortunately, Carrie's apology gets interrupted when Biggs says he doesn't want Carrie moving to Paris for him. I mean, it's so hurtful. This of course destroys her.
0: But you'd be moving to Paris for yourself, right? Mm.
1: Yeah, obviously.
0: I mean, don't move for me. Well, why would I move to Paris if it wasn't for you? No, I'm just saying,
2: I don't want you to uproot your life and expect anything. Ugh. He's so... Fantastic.
0: I am such an idiot!
2: What the fuck?
0: I'm running around town in a beret, buying your greasy food, and you don't even care if I'm in your life. Would you
2: calm down? No, you know
0: what? I am, I am so tired of calming down. Look, I have to be in a relationship where if I have to go to Paris, I have to go to Paris. Fine, go to Paris. And then what happens to us next year when you decide you just have to go to Brazil? This isn't about us. This is about work. No, this isn't about work. This is about us getting closer and you getting so freaked out that you have to put an ocean between us.
2: I don't want to talk about this anymore.
1: Mm. Such good writing.
0: Why is it so hard for you to f- factor me into your life in any real way? I guess old habits die hard. Well, maybe I can't do this anymore.
2: I understand. <laughs> so So callous. Sad.
0: Yeah, I bet you do.
1: Did she win a you million? You said you loved me.
2: Oh I do and
1: why does it hurt so fucking much did she win Emmy after Emmy for this
2: I mean she should it's so know. painful to listen to he's also just so clinical when he's like I understand that you're just like it's so offensive this isn't a job interview
1: well not only that <laughs> she's pouring her heart out you would hope if you say to somebody like I you know I guess we have to break up for them to be sad about it. He knows by saying, okay, that that's just, he knows that that's just a way to hurt her. He doesn't actually feel that way.
2: You think he wants to hurt her? Of course. Why do you think he wants to hurt her?
1: Because he has, it's like people like Big, there's so many men like that. And there's probably plenty of women like that too. But when people, I mean, uh, we've talked about it, but Big has avoidant, he uh, has avoidant attachment style and Because Just because people seem like they're not affected doesn't mean they're not. It actually is even worse in a way because it means they're so detached from Mm. their feelings and it's so painful for them to get close to people that they they have to just... It's very painful just in another way and it can come off as cool and callous Mm. and and not caring, but I think it's almost like people like that are like, if I go there, it opens up stuff that is so scary like uh, terrifying for yeah. me. So it comes off as really cool as a cuke, but that's not how a person like that is feeling. Yeah. Like, that person is like bubbling inside. Yeah. It's just that since we don't get to see it, if you're in a relationship with that person, uh,
2: it's hurtful. Yeah. Because you
1: don't see the pain because people like that keep it really, really close.
2: Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. What this do you think is, about this scene? Uh, it's pretty bleak. um yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you're saying that he doesn't go there. But I was surprised. I was surprised that Big said, um, wait, what was the line of self-awareness? I'm I'm forgetting now. Uh, he has one line. Oh, old there's habits old die habits hard. die hard. I was like, even that for Big. I was like, he knows surprised. He's being, he knows right. that. Like, it's the first time he's ever just kind of been like, I'm fucked up. Yeah. Um, Because he kind of does, like we've talked about a hundred times, he's usually gaslighting. Right. And being like, I don't know, this is on you, babe. This is on you. Like, it's always on Carrie. And that's why she's flailing, is because she's like, I'm not crazy. Right. You're making me crazy. And you have to have some, you have to shoulder some of the responsibility here. Yeah. For my feelings. Because they're not all just me in my head being a psycho. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was, like, at least the slightest nugget of validation in his, you know, cold-hearted way.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I also think that, like... We've talked a lot that a lot about this particular thing today, and in the last episode, is about how immature he is. Yes. because for a forty-year-old man to say, "I have a girlfriend for a year, you can move to where I am, but don't expect anything." The idea that that people should not have expectations in yeah, relationships, oh my god, a percent, extremely. It's a fantasy that yeah. doesn't make sense. Totally. If you have a friendship, you expect things. If I have a if friend, you have
2: any interpersonal relationship, if you have there's expectations.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's so narcissistic and self-centered to think I can enjoy you and you can enjoy me, but don't ask me for shit. Anything. Yeah. That is a very yeah. toxic, self-centered person. And I've definitely dated people like Same. that where it's like, don't ask me for things. Yeah, we're allowed to like have sex and have fun and like joke around right. and have go to fun restaurants, but don't ask me for anything. I'm allowed anything. to like
2: take up your time, but you can't request anything in return.
1: That's just wild. Yeah. And you know what? Women and men need to point it out. Mm-hmm. It's you know, there's something really insane about avoidant attachment people is that they make you feel like you're super cuckoo and needy and it's like that's a magic trick because you are incapable of anything. That's what's embarrassing. Yeah. Not that I'm so needy or I'm asking for so mm-hmm. much. It's embarrassing that you're 40 and that after a year of being in love with someone, you're saying, well, don't expect anything. Well, then why are we dating? We're not 16. If we were 16, right. I we're wouldn't also, We're
2: also not dating openly. We're committed. Like they're in a committed monogamous relationship and they've both acknowledged that at this point. So telling someone not to expect anything is psychotic. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand Big's parameters either because he definitely likes. I guess it, it's starting to dawn on me that Big's need for carry comes from a place of like he likes the stability and the convenience of carry, and carry is constantly inconvenienced by Big. So in a way, he's getting this sort of like. 7-Eleven relationship that he can like wow. dip in and out of but then for Carrie she's working overtime to keep the 7-Eleven open this metaphor has gone wild I love it I'm but. not totally following but I think it's cool yeah I love it mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's just painful to, to to hear and you know what else I mean as somebody who's been Carrie and been in stuff like that people like Carrie that have been in relationships like big yeah as easy as it is to just be like big some a monster it also takes two to tango totally and continuing to be with somebody who shows you ad nauseum that that they will never prioritize you that they will never make you feel special that is an snm relationship and that's fulfilling some weird past trauma that's that's also you Coming back to get punched in the face again. Yeah, not to put victim blaming on this, but like carries carries a participant in this relationship. That to be fair to Big, he has never shown any other side. So mm-hmm. it's a, none of this is surprising. It's disappointing and shitty, but this is completely, as you said, in line with his character.
2: Yeah, I was thinking about because I've been watching a lot of Succession, another fabulous HBO show. Yeah, and it's interesting to me this notion of people who have. All the money in the world, the one percenters. I think that's big. I can't fully tell. We haven't discussed his income fully, but it's he's in that zone. I would say, and uh, yeah, and it's interesting that like money does not buy class. Like he's kind of trashy. I think his his behavior is trashy. He's trash in an expensive Armani floor length coat. That's for sure. True. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, We're in agreement. Yeah. Okay. well, we next see Stanford at his late night underwear party, ready to meet up with his own Mr. Big, Mr. Big Tool for you. He cautiously embraces the no clothes rule when a guy at the club spots his French underwear. They're very chic and he and Stanford hit it off.
1: Okay. before we go on, can we just pause for this moment? Sure. I don't mean to sound judgmental, but the guy that hits on him is like significantly cuter than him. Did you feel like not to be like bring up the Lena Dunham, Patrick Wilson episode or something? Did you Mm -hmm. feel that that guy hitting on him was realistic in real life? That would happen.
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, well. Yes and no. I know what you're saying because I had it. Not to I, be a fucking bitch no, about no, it. No, no, no. I, 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 I think it, whatever the choice was in the writing, it was intentional. There was something intentional there. Um, there was definitely like an ugly. I mean, I, I don't find I'm not calling Stanford ugly. There was an ugly duckling sort of metaphor happening here, um, where like Stanford essentially like blossoms in talking to this guy, and like that was sort of the point. Becomes cuter, kind of. Yeah, like, the fact that Stanford's kind of, like, being painted, again, by the writers. I'm not saying this about him. He's being painted as this, like, schlub in a midst of, like, abs and pecs and shoulders and backs. Um, So... I think that that was the point, And I don't think it's unrealistic. I think that this guy finds Stanford to be his type. Right. Because- which mu- and again, I don't also just want to say I don't like it feels like a commentary on gay culture that I am not fully aware of.
1: Well, here's the thing. Um, Stanford. If you're listening to this pod, you, you, pro- you hopefully know what we're talking about. But just in case you don't know, you know, he's bald. He has a perfectly fine body. He's not overweight in any way, but he's not ripped like those insane Chelsea gay standards or West right. Hollywood Which gay standards. Which they touch upon a lot with
2: Stanford throughout the series. Yeah,
1: and I think our gay listeners, our gay male listeners probably understand and can relate, not necessarily to Stanford, but just to the idea that the mainstream gay... Club culture can be extremely judgmental and the Copped bodies throat. are hard to compete with. Totally. And it just is like the truth of the matter is Stanford is a regular looking guy, yeah. completely normal in a sea of guys who are like in impeccable shape, perfect bodies, and a very perfect body, blonde hair guy comes up to him and hits on him. And I guess I wasn't sure if that felt real because Stanford's certainly not ugly. He's just a regular looking person
2: well I, I was just thinking about this as you said that and I didn't notice this when we were watching the episode this is an episode about fetishes and there might be something tied which back which would be so offensive if a really cute guy like you were or, a, like a just, fetish for but them. also types are yeah, a fetish that's true so maybe that was the commentary it's more like oh this is everyone has a type exactly exactly well, we
1: do have a sizable gay male listenership and I, I talk to you guys on Instagram and stuff so uh, enlighten us Hit us up in the DMs Or our Instagram And tell us if you thought That scene was real Because I I don't know So let us know I'm just curious Yeah So meanwhile With Miranda and Jack They finally have Indoors risk-free sex Only to be interrupted By his parents Turns out They're staying at his place And also They stay right in his eyeline As he continues to have sex With Miranda It's hilarious It was so funny He's such a funny actor Yeah That wraps things up for them And the episode ends with a restless Carrie Welcoming Big into her place one last time They sleep together And the next morning she lets him go
2: For the second time they're really done Okay so that brings us To our second to last segment Where we answer the question Of the episode In love relationships
0: There is a fine line between pleasure and pain In fact it's a common belief That a relationship without pain Is a relationship not worth having To some, pain implies growth. But how do we know when the growing pains stop and the pain pains take over? Are we masochists or optimists if we continue to walk that fine line? When it comes to relationships, how do you know when enough is enough?
1: This is a fascinating question that's been on my mind a little. Mm. And I think it's such a relevant question that everyone in a relationship has had to have thought at some point. Yeah. And I think it's, I think this, it's a really, really good question. And obviously you can only answer that, but in a real relationship, there are great times and really hard times. And it's in the hard times where you have to wonder, are there more hard times than good times? Yes. Are these hard times going to end? Is this correct? I find this question really interesting.
2: Yeah. It's almost like the thesis for any long-term relationship. Yeah. What do you think about the question? Um, I think it's really hard to know. It's interesting because we both just watched Couples Therapy. And I feel like that's kind of the... That's also... This is a show on Showtime that we've been talking about. Um, it was last week's Rose's Horny Four. Did you finish the whole thing? Yeah. But, what? I mean, this, this question runs through that show so hard. Of course, yeah. I'm bringing it back to this show. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that, like, anyone who's been in a relationship that has... Uh, Ups and downs. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. And in this case, I would say Carrie and Big, it's it is enough, even though we know as the series goes, they're gonna find their way back to each other, which is frustrating.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that like, if you're in a relationship, and you're having a hard moment, it's really hard to know when enough is enough, because no one can tell you, unless it's abusive, if it's just no one can tell you, no one can tell you and and you really have to weigh it yourself. And I think, I think personally, I'm going to talk about this the next episode, but like me and my partner were kind of went through like a little rough patch. And I was thinking about this question myself is when is enough enough. And we got through it. And I can only say from my own experience, I think for me, things are worth staying in. If the person that you're with is showing changes and improvements mm-hmm. and that they hear and you growth. yes because then it's like you're oh no matter how in love you are you're always going to eventually have problems and conflicts exactly and if the person that you're with shows that like they take your needs seriously then to me that is worth continuing yeah I also think this one is enough enough question Ultimately, overall, you might be in a bad patch. You might be in a wonderful patch, but if more often than you're than not, you're really unhappy, then to me, that is when enough is enough. I think if the cons
2: outweigh the pros, yeah, that's from my POV. There's a book about this because there is a it, there's a term for this because um, I think it's common for people to vacillate um, in relationships and not know if like they need to keep going. And a lot of times, too, people. They equate the time they've spent in the relationship a reason to stay in it. Like, well, we've been together 10 years. Right, I can't quit now not real, or whatever. Yeah. And um, there's a book about it called, I think it's called, um, I want to say it's Emotional Ambivalence. Huh. Um, I don't know who wrote it, but. Interesting. And it, it's like, yeah, anyways, my friend was reading it and it's a workbook too. Hmm. And it's like a way to work through your no, ambivalence. Yeah, and just to actually weigh pros and cons. It's not as black and white as that, but there are exercises to sort of evaluate like okay you know this happened is this a signifier that this needs to end or is this a hiccup
1: yeah and I think there's also different ways to look at your relationship too like My sister said something really wise to me on the phone recently, and she was like, if you want to find negatives in your relationship, that's easy. If you're looking for them, you'll find them.
2: Yeah, they call it like building a case. Yeah, you can build anyone can build a case.
1: Yeah. And she's like, part of it is also and she's in a very happy marriage. uh, But anyone can just be like, you know, everybody has flaws. And so it's easy to just bear into them if that's what you're looking for and sometimes it's a perspective shift just like you can look at your own life and just focus on all the things you don't have or you can look at all the things that are going great you can do the same in a person Mm -hmm. not to say that you should be with them or not but like you know there there are also ways if you decide to make things work to try and focus on the things you do get you know
2: yeah it's so tricky too because I think a lot of people there's a lot of like I don't even know how to word this. It's almost like people find merit in enduring pain. Yes. Tying it back to this episode. Yeah, that's true. Like, oh yeah, like that's, you know, relationships, they're hard work. Like it takes work, you know, it's a business as much as it is a partnership, right. all this stuff. And you're like, yeah, sure. It's all those things. But at a certain point, like, are you using those paradigms to justify your pain Like, you're not going to win an award at the end of this if you stick it out. Like, who are you doing it for?
1: Yes. And you can talk to people who have been in really long relationships who are
2: like, yeah, sure. We have problems. But overall, I'm very happy. Exactly. That's you know? the thing. It's yeah. like sometimes it's not yeah, that if it's complicated. Yes. And I think people want to believe like, yeah, it's complicated. It's you know, that's the narrative that they're running is like, yeah, it's hard. It's that's hard true. work. And it's like, that's sure, sure, it is work. But depends on if you're in a patch or not. Are you happy? Like, that's what it comes down to is are you happy? I yes, think. I think so. It but actually can be quite simple.
1: Yes, but I also think even healthy couples can go through an unhappy patch.
2: And yes. it's like, oh, I, by the way, I'm not saying you don't go through right. rough patches. Right. I'm saying overall, though, it's like if you in your soul. Macro, yeah. Are you like are you guys connected and going to get through it?
1: Yeah. That's why I think that with someone like Big. I think the problems that he displays are problems that show to me it's worth breaking up instead of staying together. Because when there are problems, there's no sense of like, you know what? You're right. I think I should probably change. Or how can I make this better? It's all like, take it or leave it. Totally. This is what it is. I know. And and, and she keeps th- convincing herself she can take it. So it's just this loop that's never improving.
2: Yeah. And they don't say it explicitly on the show. But there is this air of like, he has the money. He holds the power. Yeah. And I think that it it does contribute to him having the attitude you're talking about, which is this like, take it or leave it. He is in a place of power over her where he's like, I give you a good life, essentially, like, even though they don't live together. But that's kind of the vibe of like, I give you sex. I give you dinners. I hold you like, what more do you want? And she's like, I just want you to be more emotionally connected and vulnerable and like afraid to take risks with me yeah totally yeah anyways okay so sex in the city is obviously a very horny show we end each episode by sharing what we're currently horny for Rose what you horny for right now
1: what am I horny for right now I have to bring it back to you because I have to think of mine. Okay. What are you horny for right um, now? I'm
2: horny for this store that I just bought a bunch of shit from. Um, it's called number six. It's N.O. Oh, period six. Love and it's that a great store. boutique in New York, Um, kind of in like no man's land, like Soho, but like not the center of Soho. Anyways, they have really beautiful clothes and they specialize in making these like awesome clogs and clog boots for the winter. And, uh, yeah, I just, I love everything they sell and it's like a bunch of very small sort of boutique designers and whoever their retail buyer is just does a great job of like picking out really not just pretty clothing, but like really interesting and artistic.
1: Okay, well, I'm horny for my boyfriend. Great. Because he met my whole family at Rosh Hashanah. Oh, yeah. And he did so well. And it's like scary and hard to meet people's families. Yeah. And like, he was super nice to my mom, super nice to my grandma. Everyone loved him. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. He did. Is a- he Jewish? Oh, no, no. Oh, okay. No. I didn't know. I didn't know. He is so intensely not Jewish. Okay. Beautiful. Uh, he's Catholic. Uh-huh. Uh, I, he, I don't think he doesn't believe in it anymore, but he was totally raised Catholic. He's yeah. Polish Catholic. Oh, OK. Um, he didn't even know what a Jap was when I was like, oh, I'm so Jappy. He thought I was like being like racist against Japanese <laughs> oh people. God. I was like, Jewish American princess, bitch. Get used to it. Yeah, Your you're girlfriend like, I'm is. I'm being racist against my people. Yes, God. exactly. So um, I'm horny that he just did such a good job and um, Chachi bit him on the face.
2: Are you serious? And there was Blood.
1: Oh, <gasps> tell me that because it was small but like chachi's like really badly behaved now oh no i didn't know that there was face biting though (laughs) he bit his face and lee took it like a champ we had to pull like fucking hydrogen peroxide on his face so anyway
2: chachi no i know my mom took him to school for the first time okay is that good dog school i think so Oh, dog school yeah oh okay good good yeah good. he's I going to you he's brought him to where she works no and i was like <gasps> i told don't my do mom that.
1: i was like i have friends who've dropped their dogs off to get trained because yeah. i was like he needs I'd training i was like but then they told me that like nothing changed it was just a ton of money <laughs>
2: I think I told you that. We did that with Dennis. Yeah, it's hilarious. We dropped him off for 2 weeks and he we came got back. Him, we can literally no do- they, they the dogs are great with the trainers, but then it's like But you. then with you they they know that you are going to love them unconditionally. Well, that's why my mom is going to the school where she
1: has to learn these things That's good That's but good. anyway back to horny for i'm horny for lee
2: because um meeting people's parents is scary yeah. and he did it with grace and panache great mm-hmm. and that concludes our episode thank you guys for listening we love you love Bye. Ya. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help But Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CHBWpod. And follow my co-host Rose Cerno on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host Jamie at Really Jamie Lee on Instagram and at The Jamie Lee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app if you're nasty. It helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You're nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. Ah.
0: This has been a Forever Dog production.